Good morning. Our current sermon series, Represent, is a reminder that as Jesus' people, our call is to represent His kingdom first before anything else in this world. And all through Scripture, we see that when God's people do this well, the world is blessed through them. And when God's people fall into the temptation to let their lives represent something other than Him first, serving that idol always derails their ability to convey the blessing of God's kingdom to others. All through history, God's people have been tempted to shape our lives around man-made idols, from golden calves to political parties. But there's only one identity that's eternal. There's only one Lord to whom we belong, and that identity must inform all others. And as we live in this messy world, navigating what that means for each one of us to live our callings as his kingdom representatives where we are, takes integrity, faith, and courage. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, God laments the sin of his people, that they practice extortion and commit robbery, that they oppress the poor and the needy, that they mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. And in verse 30, he says, I looked for someone among them who would stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. And as we look back through the Old Testament, this is what God's people do regularly. They stand in the gap. Abraham intercedes in prayer for the city. Moses asks for God's mercy for his wayward people in the wilderness. The prophets stand between the people and judgment. And as they intercede, they become the vehicle through whom God delivers his mercy to the world. But when nobody's asking for God's grace, for God's mercy, for God's power to move on behalf of the people then the consequences of human injustices done to each other just lead to destruction. Sin, building on sin, never leads anywhere good. But into that very real, destructive human cycle, God himself intervenes. When there was no one to stand in the gap for us, God himself chose to become our rescue. Of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God the Son was sent to be born into this broken world, fully God, fully human, to stand in the gap for us, to be in his human body and blood, the intercessor, who in his death for our sin on the cross and in his resurrection into new life, he lives forever to intercede for us, as the book of Hebrews tells us, to be forever the means by which we receive God's saving help. And his name, Jesus, means he saves. Jesus came to show us the exact representation of the heart of God for us so we can know God's character. And he also comes to represent us to the Father as ones who are forgiven and made new through Jesus' grace. So as we call on Jesus, our future is no longer destruction, but redemption, renewal, and rebirth. And to be Jesus' people is to know that we all need that kind of grace from the greatest of us to the least. And to be the church of this Jesus, then, we are called to be in the world, but not of it. 
that as Jesus has done for us, we are called to stand in the gap for the sake of the world, to intercede and ask God how he might use us to release his blessing and renewing into the world. And that's how we represent his kingdom. And yet, there are always things that distract us from that mission to bless. And there's much that we can learn from those who have gone before us in faith, from the Old Testament to the New. And today, we're learning what it looks like to represent from the story of Esther. Now, Esther was a young Jewish woman living in a foreign land, living as a persecuted minority. And when the Persian king got mad at the queen that he had, Queen Vashti, for not doing what he wanted, he told the world he was in the market for a replacement queen which kind of led to a bachelorette kind of contest, gathering young women as queen candidates from all over the land. But unlike reality TV, these women didn't have a choice whether they wanted to participate. An abuse of power is kind of a theme in Esther. Men's power over women as property, power of the Persian race over the Hebrews as second-class citizens, power of the pagan influences over the Jewish faith. But then out of the ultimate place of powerlessness, a woman of Jewish faith and Hebrew ethnicity, Esther is made queen. And Esther is a bit of an unlikely heroine. She isn't a woman who wants to make waves. She doesn't even announce her faith or her ethnicity to her Persian king husband. She didn't see the point putting a target on her back until her uncle Mordecai refused to bow down and worship one of the officials in the king's court. As a servant of God, he could not honor a human being in that way. He only had one lord. And Haman, the human who was demanding worship, took that personally and decided not only to have Mordecai killed, but all of the Jewish people. And it's pretty clear that Haman had absolutely no doubt he had the power to accomplish this mass execution. But he made a miscalculation. He forgot that Mordecai was not refusing to worship him out of some kind of personal arrogance, but out of a desire to honor the God he worshiped. And Haman made the mistake of thinking that just because he didn't believe in Mordecai's God, there was no power in Mordecai's corner. But by the end of the story, he realizes his mistake. It's amazing how often our God shows up for the powerless. When we are weak, he is strong. Probably because when we realize that we're weak, we humble ourselves to ask him for his power. Not only did Haman overlook God's existence, but he also overlooked the secret weapon in the heart of the palace. He never considered the young bride of the king to be any kind of threat. To him, she was just a decorative object of no consequence whatsoever. And maybe Esther thought that of herself too at first. After all, she seemed to have very little control over her own life up to this point. But then Mordecai sent his message about the life and death situation her people were in from Haman's malice. And Mordecai called her out, Esther, we need you to stand in the gap for us. We need you to speak for us. We need you to represent. Overnight, you became a representative of the palace, not by your choice, but it is your choice now. It's up to you whether or not you will accept the mission to represent God's people. Will you dare become the queen God placed you here to be for just such a time as this? God once called Moses through a burning bush to play this role, to speak to the Pharaoh, let my people go. But this time, the people's deliverance is not going to come through the voice of a bearded man with a staff and a series of plagues. This time, it's going to take the courage of a beauty queen teenager 
choosing to stand in the line of fire to put herself between her people and slaughter by influencing the king through a series of strategic dinner parties. True story. And here is Esther's choice to choose not to find her identity and her ability to blend into society and hide behind agents of power, but to dare to stand up and risk everything to represent the people of God. There are different kinds of courage. There are different kinds of costs that we pay in discipleship. And Esther knew this cost could be very high because no one could ask for an audience with the king unbidden without the risk of being sentenced to death. And it had been 30 days since the king had asked to see her last, so obviously she wasn't a throne room regular. And she already was the replacement queen who was brought in because the first one didn't know her place. So there was a very real chance that the king, already angry at what he considered Vashti's arrogance, would see in Esther's boldness more of the same. Then what would happen to her? Esther had to decide in this moment who her life would serve. Would she serve God's purposes or her own? Have you ever faced a situation where standing up for your faith in Jesus might make you unpopular with your friends? Can you imagine being called into a situation where you might have to lay down your life for him? Or for the sake of others who need your voice? I think very few of us have ever had to face the kind of choice that Esther made. But for the daily choices we do need to make, we can learn from the wise actions of Esther how we learn to stand in the gap for the sake of the world, representing God's heart. First, we listen and remember. Esther first listens to the wisdom of her uncle, and she remembers the history of her people. She looks at her life from the lens of being part of a bigger story than just her own. And if we are to represent God well in the world, we have to remember the larger story that we're part of. We have to ask, what do Jesus' actions on behalf of the world show us what God wants for people? How do we represent him for the world? Where does he call us to intercede for others? And we have to know why representing his heart matters, not just for us, but for the people around us. We need to listen and remember whose we are, first of all. And then secondly, Esther prays and she asks others for prayer. Esther needs to know that it's God who is leading her to act, and she needs to hear from him exactly how and exactly when. And so she asked Mordecai to get all of the people to fast and pray for her because her actions are going to impact all of them, and she knows she's going to need God's help to step into the gap. So she prays, and she asks for others to pray for her before she acts. But then when the time comes, number three, Esther's first act is to bless. God told Abraham that his people would be blessed to be a blessing. So seeking to represent that God, what Esther first chooses to do is to bless. Before she presents any agenda, she invites both the king and her enemy to a banquet. She shows honor and respect to them both, serving them. Her only task for that day is to bless and to build relationship. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you, Jesus says in Matthew 5. 
And we know this bless first action is a kingdom move because when Jesus sends out disciples in groups of two in Luke 10, he instructs them all, first bless those you find and then bring your message. And if they reject that blessing, that's on them. Your job is to first bless. And in Matthew 13, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a sower who sows good seed on all different kinds of soil, equally blessing them all. And where that blessing takes root and grows is not up to you. Our call is likewise to bless. That's Jesus' teaching on how we interact with the world. And the same God, generations before, instructs Esther's heart in that kingdom way. First, act to bless and see what takes root. And as a result, the king is so impressed that he asks Esther if she would like to make a request of him. She doesn't even have to bridge that topic. To which she responds, dine with me again tomorrow and I'll tell you. She spends the night again praying. And then number four, Esther represents by standing in the gap. At that second banquet, Esther patiently waits for the right time when the king asks to hear her request, and then she responds with these shocking words, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. I and my people. There is no differentiation in her mind between her own life and that of her people. Standing in the gap, Esther chooses to become the human face of her people before the king. Give me my life, she says. And in doing that, she is the voice of every man, woman, and child. And the king, seeing the face of the woman that he's come to admire and respect, sees also, maybe for the first time, the humanity of her people and the inhumanity of Haman's plan. As you look back through human history at the atrocities, the violence, the slander, the inhumanity at which, with which human beings can treat one another, there's always one common factor. If you're going to bully, belittle, and terrorize people, first you have to dehumanize them. You make them to be less than yourself without hopes or dreams or hurts like your own. And up until now, it was Haman who had been representing the Jewish people before the king as an obstacle to be eliminated. But when Esther dares to stand before him and say, what you do to my people, you do to me, the king can no longer dismiss them. And in the end, the execution that Haman had ordered to fall on Esther's people fell on him instead. When Esther chose to represent, she chose to take the consequences of death with her people or their saving. That's courage. That's faith. That's love in action. And that is what Jesus did for us. Jesus knew the cost. He knew for him, unlike for Esther, it wasn't a risk, it was a certainty. <laughs> Standing for us, for sinful humanity, would mean his death. Sin on sin only leads to destruction. And yet he chose to walk that road to the cross and into death for us. Why? To find you, to find me, and to unite us as one people, one common broken humanity by his grace alone. 
Hebrews 7 tells us, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And Ephesians 2 tells us, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with all its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Jesus came to stand in the gap for all of broken humanity, And his sacrificial love unites men and women of every race and tribe and country on this earth by our common need for his amazing grace. And there is no person on earth who can be put into the other category for Jesus. Jesus chose solidarity with humanity, with you, to stand with you. And he says in Matthew 25, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. When you look at the human being in front of you, you are looking into the eyes of one for whom Jesus gave his life to sow the blessing of his grace. And whether or not it will grow there, our job is not to judge the soil, but to bless. So that seed might take root and grow through our watering. It's only when we can see others through Jesus' eyes that we can stand in the gap well and intercede for the world as agents of God's kingdom. And I think, unfortunately, in this day and age, rather than seeing humankind, we have a lot more of the Haman kind, seeking to silence, dehumanize, and dismiss the other. And out of fear or laziness, it's far too easy for us to lose the ability to see the humanity of the person beloved by God in front of us. But Jesus heard the cries of the Samaritan, the Canaanite, the Roman soldier, the Greek, as well as his Jewish followers. And in blessing them, they were changed and his disciples were changed. Jesus would not allow his followers to polarize against them. Instead, he called them to begin to imagine God's plans to draw the world into his redeeming love, that they would start just like this, one human interaction at a time. We live in a time when there's a great temptation to polarize, to stop seeing one another's humanity, but Jesus' people are not to be like that. Whether we agree with what someone is saying or not, our call is to stand for the value of the person in front of us to be in the world but not of it, as intercessors of grace. We are called to listen and remember whose we are, to pray, to bless, and to represent by standing in the gap in God's love for the sake of the other. So this week, if you find you're tempted to dehumanize a person or a group of people with whom you disagree, stop, 
Listen and remember the bigger story to which you belong. Pray and ask for prayer from others who walk with you in discipleship to Jesus. First, seek to bless the other. Represent God's love for the person in front of you. Stand in the gap for the value of their humanity. This week, intentionally seek out someone who's different from you. Remembering who you represent first. And even as you hear opinions other than your own or choices other than your own, you'll begin to see in this human being the face of a person Jesus died for. Stand for who you are, not just in your own opinions, but stand for what is important to the one whose you are. Because his kingdom remains long after this broken, faulty human world crumbles to dust. And what he treasures is you and the person in front of you. Be the human face of God's love as you represent your own and your neighbor's humanity. And let Jesus and Jesus alone be Savior and Lord to whom all kings of the earth will one day bow. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our Savior and our King. And we thank you, Lord, that you showed us that beauty, that power in vulnerability and weakness, in choosing to walk the path into death for us so that we can know life forever in you. Forgive us, Lord, when we forget who we belong to, when we get caught up in the fighting and the bitterness, the anger of the power struggles of our world. Help us instead, Lord, to find your power at work in us, the power of your love, the power of your grace, the power of your forgiveness, because only your love makes us new. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.